Assalamu alaikum. Welcome to the Muslim Moms Podcast with Nabiha and Warda. We are two sisters with 10 kids between us, sharing our experiences about motherhood, relationships, and striving to build happy Muslim families. Let's get cracking. Today's question is, would you ever adopt? Wow, that's a great question, Warda. I guess I would say that, yeah, I would adopt. I know growing up, we had covered that during our Islamic class and learned about orphans. And that was always something in the back of my mind that if I had the opportunity to, I would adopt. What about you? Yes, if the opportunity presented itself, I would definitely take that opportunity because as we know in Islam that taking care of the orphan carries with it immense amounts of blessings and reward. And so I'm not sure if I would necessarily seek it out, although it is something we have talked about. My husband and I, when we were first getting to know each other, we both said we were open to that possibility. Um, however, life, you know, has come and Allah has given us three children at this point in time. So who knows what the future holds and where our hearts will go in terms of taking on another child through an adoption. But life is long, right? There's so much living to do. And there's so many, we have no sense of what might happen in the future. And I would love to discuss this topic further with you because I feel like there are so many circumstances and scenarios that go alongside with this topic that we don't often get to talk about in circles as moms. You know, usually it's just a few people in the community we may know who are families that have uh, gone through an adoption process or have gone through a sort of a blended family situation where maybe adoption is included in that. But it's often not the norm. And so there's not that much conversation surrounding it. Have you found that to be the case? Yes, Warda, I, I found that to be the case because people don't often discuss this amongst a group of friends or even in like your mom's circles. We often just talk about our children and what's going on in our day-to-day lives of what our kids are doing and the challenges and opportunities that we have facing them. But you don't think outside of your immediate family. And adoption is something in which it's some, it's, it's an idea that a lot of people may have thought about, but they don't necessarily bring it into those groups because it's just not discussed. It's kind of like a taboo topic in a sense. Yeah, definitely. And let's take a step back for a moment and just define what we're referring to because these words can carry a lot of different meanings for a lot of different people. So one of the definitions that people refer to when we say adopt is when a person takes a responsibility to raise a child or young adult because their biological parents are no longer with them for one reason or another. And I really like this definition because it encompasses the variety of scenarios that we can talk about that refer to what we're going to call adopt. And there are some people who have a problem with this word because in the U.S., the word adopt can sometimes take the form of that child being integrated into the family as a biological child, meaning their name is changed and their legacy carries with that family. However, in Islam, we do have some differences there. And I think that's where sometimes people have some issues. So just to clarify, we're referring to adoption as just the general idea of taking the responsibility to raise a child. But just for clarification, safe, when it, say, when it comes to the fiqh of adoption, and if you're someone who's pursuing that, you definitely want to consult a person of knowledge who can answer your specific questions. Like, for example, the idea that in Islam, the person who 
um, adopts is known as a guardian and the child doesn't necessarily take the surname of the family. And there's other, um, there's other items under that, like the inheritance. There's some differences there. So the lineage is still intact when it comes to adoption in Islam. So those are just some things to keep in mind um, as we refer to this conversation here, just for clarification's sake. That's good to know because a lot of times we talk about this concept and people don't know what we're referring to. So we're talking in the general sense of adopting and taking on a child and raising that child and keeping them within your household and making them be part of your family. I know there's a lady on YouTube who has adopted quite a few children and she ended up having her own children too. And I've watched her videos in which I believe her page is called This Gathered Nest, uh, Angela Branoff. And I was watching her video of how she explains it because I find it so fascinating. People who adopt, they must have such a huge heart to be able to open up their family and their lives to another child and in- include them in their family. So her story is quite incredible. And she actually did different types of adoptions, domestic and international adoptions. And she kind of goes through, she has some videos about it in which she goes through all of the different adoptions she's done and the pros and cons of each. And she's quite uh, honest in her take on it. So if you're someone who's interested, that's someone who has gone through it and can give you a little bit more background on it. Yeah, I, I've actually come across her as well. She's actually quite um, prevalent on YouTube and in, and in general on homeschooling as well, which she does homeschool all her children. And she also has in her group of children special needs. Um, so it's a variety of kids that she's dealing with. And it is true that I think the traditional adoption process is a very challenging and a very long process and can become expensive. And I'm sure there's it's, it's a very emotional process because uh, you're not quite sure what might happen along the way. And there's no guarantees when it comes to that. And so when I come across families that have adopted children, and I've come across just a, just a handful of them, it is a very sensitive conversation to have because you don't want to overstep or you're, you're kind of uncertain about what's okay to ask and not ask. And so it's kind of nice to have this outsider perspective of someone who's just kind of laying it out there for, for you, for those who don't have that personal experience. Um, and I was thinking of some other scenarios or circumstances that adoption, what, what we're referring to caring for another child may exist that maybe we have, we don't think about it in that way. Like when I think back to some of my husband's family and even like the elder generation, it was not that uncommon for people to take in a child from another family. Let's say your sister's kids or, you know, a cousin's child for whatever reason, it might be because school is closer. That's a, a reason a lot of people say, okay, go live with your aunt for two years or, you know, go live with your grandma for a period of time. And so people are raised by their other family members or friends that are not necessarily their biological parents. And so this exists quite often. And I know some situations where some people have been raised their entire lives by another individual in their family, even though their biological parents are alive and well. And so there's so many layers and elements as to why people might do this. Um, I also know that there's the blended family where a person might remarry and the spouse has other children in the family in the mix. And depending on the ages, adoption might be something they consider because of the various you know, uh, legal rights and responsibilities 
concerned with taking care of those children. I, I know my, my in-laws have done this as well before where they've allowed uh, family members to send their kids for a summer break or for a period of time just to kind of get a change of scene. And so um, that, that kind of expands, I think, this conversation quite a bit because that's why when I was answering at the beginning, I was thinking, well, I don't know where the future holds because I know that myself and my husband, we would love to become foster parents, you know, in the future when our children are grown up. Yeah, we have this like huge parenting skill set, you know, you've built over the course of a life. What a great uh, way to utilize that skill by offering a safe home for children in transition or children who are don't have uh, parents that are available to take care of them, whether it's through their parents being taken away by the courts or through prison. You know, there's a lot of scenarios that come up. Refugee kids, so many different possibilities. I actually know growing up, I was about maybe 13 or 14, and we had gone to a trip to one of my dad's friends in a different country, went to Canada. And when we were there, we were visiting, and I believe we spent the night there, and we went into a bedroom, and they had the bedroom set up with twin beds, and it was just so beautiful how it was positioned and everything. And after finding out from the mom, she told us that she fosters children, and she has them come here, and she has this this place set up just for these kids. And it, it's nice to have that situation. So it was the first time it actually occurred to me that, wow, you could do this. You could have other kids that are not your own that you had to birth and, and carry. So it, it was a good exposure to me. But also when you were talking there, I thought about growing up as well in the masjid scenario in which I knew a couple and they didn't have children. And it was a little strange for us because many of our friends, they came from families who had multiple children and it wasn't just nobody that had children. So they were unique in that aspect. But what they did end up doing was getting, I guess, from a different country, kids that were their relatives, like you were mentioning, and they were raising these two kids, a girl and a boy, and they had them and they were among us and playing and excited. They went to school here. And I don't know necessarily the circumstance behind why the kids left their home country to come over here, but it was nice to see that couple in the motherly, fatherly role and them having to take care of these children. So those were the things that stood out to me as a child in which I, I did get little bits of seeing how that could work. And it was great for me to see that as a young person because it did affect how I thought about how parenting can be. There's so many different ways in which people can become a parent. Yeah, that's a beautiful story. And it really does open our eyes to realize that we are a community, an ummah, a nation that we are there for each other. And so a lot of times, especially here in the U.S., and in the Western countries in general, parenting feels like a very isolated act. It feels very self, like you're focused on your family unit and that's that. That's the end of it. And I don't think that's necessarily the case around the world. I feel like there's a very strong sense of community. And as we kind of go from, uh, I guess, more individualistic, especially in the urban areas where kind of everyone's just trying to go to work and get their job done and take care of their family and, and just surviving really. And you kind of space out and start to go to some more of like the rural communities will find more and more that being the case where families are oriented with a lot more of a community feel. And that's very comforting as a parent to know that, you know, we can be there for each other. That sense of community is really true. And nowadays it's not as prevalent as it used to be because I know growing up, I was part of that kind of community in which all the members of the masjid around you 
they could tell you what to do. If you were doing something wrong, they'd go and correct you right on the spot. And they would tell your parents even. It's kind of annoying as a kid seeing that because you were never allowed to get away with anything. But it was nice in terms of a parental aspect when I look at that now. And I don't know if I necessarily have that now because if we go to tell someone else's kid something, you'll get a parent up in your ear telling you, why are you talking to my kids this way? It's more... I guess, focused on the individual family versus that community effect that you were talking about. So it's it's just different. The dynamic is different. So these areas of taking in children and having them be with your family and raising them, it's sometimes a little bit different and out of the box than what you would normally think of. But all these things create family. That's what families are about. They're so diverse and so different. So one of the scenarios we mentioned earlier was the step parent scenario where, you know, for whatever reason, it could be that maybe someone was widowed and they remarry, or maybe there was a divorce in the family dynamic and that person chose to remarry. And then now we have kids in that scenario. And so that could be a very complex situation to deal with. However, in my experience, I've seen this happen for multiple families that are of religious background, meaning that they are parents that have some sense of Islamic knowledge and Islamic adab and, and behavior. And I've seen it go really well from, from the outside. And we all look put together from the outside, right? <laughs> so I'm not saying that there's no more deeper issues that exist. Every family has deep issues. Every family has deeper issues. But the idea is that it's not this because when we think of these blended families, sometimes there can be a lot of association of uh, hostility and toxicity and, and uh, just bad behavior, especially when we think about just the general wider context. But these families that I have seen take on this scenario have done such an incredible job of trying to create a harmonious family unit you know, bringing in the different families. And I'm sure that's not easy. I, I, it's, it must be really challenging, but it's also really beautiful because like you said, you're getting like bonus siblings, you know, <laughs> you're getting extra people that, Hey, like we don't have this history. And then all of a sudden we get to live and children, you know, children are so adaptable. It's just a beautiful scenario, especially at that younger age group. I know we have a next door neighbor who's about the same age as my oldest son. And so when they play, you know, I have three plus her, it ends up being four children playing and they play like siblings. Like they're very, because, because, you know, next door neighbor, you're so physically close. So you have the opportunity to play very often. And so whenever, you know, they go in the yard and they'll call her over and um, they fight just like siblings, they play just like siblings and just having that extra added personality to the mix it's a really different scenario than when it's just my kids playing by themselves. They kind of like know each other so well, but this fourth person kind of adds that extra layer of like differences and complexity and, and ideas. And so extend that, of course, to the scenario. And Islamically, we do have some rulings that take place when we talk about mahram and we talk about if the child is young enough to be breastfed. Um, those are some interesting things to look into if you're kind of interested in this whole topic and how families do it. But like you were mentioning, you know, all of this brings me back to the thought about the the community, right? Because Prophet you know, one of his hadith, you know, we always try to think about how he lived. And he, sallallahu alayhi wasallam, was an orphan, right? He was someone who came from that background where he lost both of his parents, which I think is just when you reflect on that alone is such a beautiful point. But he said, if you want to soften your heart, 
then feed the poor and pat the head of the orphan. And you can go on and on with the amount of narrations that and, and even surahs that are ayahs in the Quran that are talking about the rewards for caring for the orphan and the needy. And so it's it's well established in our faith to do this. And so this idea of taking care of each other, taking care of the children in the community, as I'm getting into a different phase of now seeing myself in my Muslim community, I'm realizing that that whole close-knit community vibe type of thing, it doesn't just happen. Like my parents did not move into a vibrant, amazing Muslim community. In fact, I was listening to a lecture today and it said the speaker was sharing when he came to America back in the 70s, there was seven masajid in the U.S., Wow. Okay. <laughs> Seven. And that was not even that long ago, right? And when my parents came in the 90s to Florida, you can count on one hand the amount of masjids that, masjid that was in the area. Amount of hijabis counted on one hand. And so all that beautiful growth that we've seen, it happened because the people made it happen, right? It, they put the effort in to make it happen. And so now that we look at our digital age and how we've kind of expanded and everyone kind of lives far away i'm realizing like the only way my kids are going to have that close-knit you know loving community vibe that we you know so fondly remember growing up in the only way it's going to happen is we have to make it happen and uh shikesh who talks a lot about some of these modern issues that we face especially in parenting today he had explicitly um suggested that people designate five to ten families that are also raising their children in the way that you want to raise them. We're talking about with Islamic values and this this love of knowledge and growth. And really hone in on that. Spend time together. Give your children the opportunity to have other kids to be like, hey, did you hear about this whole like Buzz Lightyear thing? Or, you know, the you know, for those who know, if you know, you know, right? So the different issues that come up with the modern, you know, media and everything. They have other kids that they could not just getting it from their parents, but other families that they're in contact with, in circles with, that they see regularly. And so I realized like, it's a lot of work. You really got to put in the work to make those things happen. But the payoff is there, right? The payoff is there to create these environments and these circles where our kids will feel, no matter what family they come from, they will feel welcomed and they'll feel like they have wholesome friends that are also getting the same kind of parenting. It's not weird the way that we parent our kids. It's actually the way everybody is trying their best to to learn and grow. So what about sponsoring? Is that something that you guys have ever explored, sponsoring orphans? We've actually done it a few times in which we've sponsored an orphan. And it allows your child to be able to see, wow, we're helping this person with their school books and with getting their meals and clothing them and helping them with their daily basic needs and making that be a priority for them by just donating some money. So it's a really good lesson. If you're able to do that, there are so many people that are in need of that and can take your money and use it in such a beautiful way in helping these children. Yeah, I feel like that's one really accessible way to connect this concept in families today. So if we're not able to necessarily adopt or help help each take in a child in our home physically, there's also that option of at least providing the care for a child who's living somewhere else that needs their needs are not being met. And sponsorship, I think, is something that really a lot can be learned from that. And so um, one of the teachers 
uh, Sheikh Abdul Nasser Jenga, he mentioned that when him and his siblings all started working and getting their own money for the first time in their life, it was just it was just known that the first thing you do is you sponsor an orphan. Like you sign up to get your things taken from your paycheck, you know, your monthly um, amount so that you are constantly. And their concept there was that the moment you make money, you have to go ahead and give some of that money to charity or, or give that money to those who it's due. You know, in Islam, we believe that the needy, they have a right on some of our money, right? Allah put it with us, but we have to share it. And so I just thought that was such a beautiful concept that he was saying that his parents instilled in them this idea of immediately finding a way to use your money in the most beneficial way possible to help others. And in this case, it was sponsoring orphans. So I just want to share that. There are so many refugees too of around the world, especially with all these wars that are happening and there are people that have been displaced. And I know a story just came into my head about one of, one of my, my sons, I had, it was his first birthday party and I had, I believe it was a Minions theme party and I had all my family over and we had um, some friends over. And I know because our dad at that point, he was very well known in the community, he still is, but he had someone come outside and they, out of my house and they came and they met him. They had to give him something. And he actually asked me if he can invite them in and, you know, to get some food and just, he had some kids with him, two little kids. And they came in and we gave them some pizza and some candy. I gave them some goodie bags that I had. And they just enjoyed the party that we were having. Just a regular child's birthday party. And after they left, my dad told me that they were actually Syrian refugees that had come over and their mom had passed away. And this was their dad that was taking care of them. And they have not gone to something like this before. So he just thought it would be nice for them to see as they came into a new country, other kids their age, and they were just, they felt welcomed. And I was like, why did you tell me this before? I would have gave them, you know, I, I felt like, <laughs> oh my gosh, I could have did so much more for them. But it was just a memory that, wow, my child's birthday party, a regular thing that we have all the time. But now I was able to share it just with people who you never knew needed it. They were just kids there. And afterwards, I could see that the boy was trying to like, take some food and, and package it. And I was like, here, I can give you some pizza to take home if you want. And I had no knowledge that, okay, wow, he was a Syrian refugee who needed this. And he was trying to get acclimated to this new environment that he was living. They weren't over here that long at, at that point in time. But what an amazing thing that we can do in the Muslim community. If you see someone who is struggling and that has been a refugee or been displaced to invite them into your home and get acquainted with them, let them know they have the support of the Muslim community available. So there's so many ways to help. If you really want to help out there, there's so many ways to help children. Yeah, it's just basically getting yourself uh, involved in those circles to know about this stuff. And the, the beautiful thing, I mean, I really love that story. And one of the things that it makes me emotional thinking about is just how good you feel when you help someone. That feeling and, and imagine helping someone not only that genuinely needs it, but that's also a child. You know, because we have our children and we love our children. We want so much for them. And then we think about a child that literally does not have a mother or a father there to provide for them, you know, and that responsibility does fall on us to be there for all children. You know, of course, Muslim children are even more near and dear to our hearts, but all children need guidance and they need support. And I've heard many people in the community who are involved in these circles, who are involved in finding foster homes 
specifically for Muslim children that have been removed from their homes, they say that it's so difficult. It's so difficult. And many times these children are being asked to put into Christians and Jewish homes because the Muslim families just aren't there. They're just not interested. Um, and, and you have to go through the process of being trained and, and being put in a position. And so it's, it's work. It takes a lot of work to get to that point. But, you know, inshallah, hopefully, you know, we're all feeling more inspired to do whatever little we can to step up our game a little, to be there for each other, whether it's there for people who do have parents, but maybe they just need some support. They need some help. Um, or those who maybe don't have parents and they really do want, they really do need uh, someone to be there for them. A lot of food for thought in this conversation. Um, so we're going to go ahead and wrap up now and talk about what's next. So for my what's next, I would encourage everyone to explore someone else's adoption story. So you can just go on YouTube or type in on Google, type in about adoption and just listen to someone talk about their story. There are so many people out there who are doing this and they just listen to someone else's story and take inspiration from that that you can implement within your life. Okay, for my what's next, I'm going to invite you to talk to your kids about orphans. Begin to share with them the ideas that not every child has living parents taking care of them. Link this to the Prophet ﷺ's life as an orphan. Use these conversations to build a love for those who are less fortunate and also create an opportunity to create ways to help others as we grow, both as fulfilling our Islamic obligation, but also as an invitation to living a more charitable lifestyle. All right. Well, thanks for listening. And as always, speak it to yourself. To support this podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. For feedback, topic ideas, or just to continue the conversation, email us at muslimmomspodcast at gmail.com. Assalamu alaikum.